I knew him. Now all I have left is his arm. Now I'll give it to Ratchet and see what he does with it. Anyway, I'm Greg. I'm Jordan. And I'm Kendall. And this week we are reviewing Transformers War for Cybertron Episode 3. And I have no idea why I'm holding up my hand with the three fingers because nobody can really see me. But yeah, that's what we're doing this week. It's called method acting. Yeah, I suppose. Method podcasting. Yeah, that reminds me. I've got a promo that I need to do for this show and send it into Eric for Teenagers That Attitude. So hopefully you might hear that in the next week or two. But uh, yeah, I, I've got something planned for it. It'll be it'll be funny. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So uh, interesting episode, Kendall. You and I were talking a little bit about it before we got onto this call. Uh, I'm not going to spoil what was talked about, but. It's the best thing. It's the best thing since uh, Rhinox showed up in Beast Machines, Mm. (laughs) and for the exact same reasons. Like Mm. these, it's basically a, it's basically a Tankor episode. (laughs) You had to say that while I was drinking water. You only had to go up my nose. Friggin' this this episode is like this episode is like the reason that I love this show. Like I didn't realize that both of the the thing like my two favorite things about this show were in the same episode like oh my gosh well two is that two or three i mean really kind of three actually three of my favorite things are are in are in this episode like oh this is a freaking great episode <laughs> well it's your it's probably your favorite episode up to this point and with that being said is there any trivia on IMDb about this favorite episode of yours? Yes, yes. The opening sequence to the series begins with Bumblebee and Wheel. What? Oh, that's the. That's not that's episode the, three. That's not episode three. <laughs> um, crap. Uh, 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 episodes. Uh, episode three. Okay. I feel like I did that a bunch of times. Uh, <laughs> in 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 during Beast Wars. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Do we have any trivia? Maybe there's no trivia. Oh, I'd be kind of surprised. A user review gave this episode 8 out of 10. Oh, there you go. They liked it as much as you did. Maybe it's, less so. It's overall, uh, yeah, I would give it more than uh, the overall 105 reviews, 7.6 out of 10. But yeah, oh. no, no trivia. Uh, oh. Apparently, apparently they don't know who the, the who normally <laughs> says till all are one. Yeah, I mean, 
that's even mentioned under the mega uh, under the Transformers references here. All right. The, so what does uh, yeah. does the does the <laughs> does the does the TF Wiki have stuff on this episode? Yeah. Um. So it just mentions that you know the all spark being taken off of uh, Cybertron is just a kind of a story beat that has been around since at least the first live action movie. Uh, Chromia mentioning that she's a Camion is actually kind of more of a reference to her, you know, to, uh, 2005 IDW and Cyberverse counterparts. Like normally she is a Cybertronian, just not has always lived up there. Yeah. Um, the, the whole thing where Impactor mentions that he was a minor, not the speech, that he was a minor it's also uh, similar to his 2005 IDW incarnation. And also pointing out that the Autobots are originating as higher class bots is, is uh, something that kind of fits in with Mirage's original bio. You know, being him a Formula One race car that just races through uh, life. Through life. <laughs> you know, I have uh, to wonder if the writers actually listened to the early episodes of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I know that the comics touched on it, so I'm, I'm really just joking here. But at the same time, you have to wonder just a little bit. I mean... Now, now, to be fair, to be fair, if you watch the first episode of Beast Wars, they kind of I mean, they, they do kind of like, you know, oh, it was great for you. It was peaceful. It was great for you, but it wasn't great for us, yeah. even though even yeah. though the 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 monologue that Megatron's there is basically like it was great for you because you guys like being all peaceful. Like it wasn't great for us because we didn't get to conquer you, um, <laughs> which also kind of feels like it has some uh some some ramifications with some modern politics uh the idea that uh that uh you know it's like we we you're happy because you want to exist we don't want you to exist why don't you why won't you compromise um (laughs) i mean i'm sorry that's topical yeah it's a little you know whatever but it's a thing you know it's an interesting thoughts but yes, no, totally. I I love I love this idea that the that the Decepticons were a subjugated class that rose up under a, a charismatic leader, and then that and now we're at this point where the charismatic leader has gone too far, and more and more people who used to stand with him are now against him. Oh, it's just so. This is exactly what Transformers should be if they just turned into animals. <laughs> you can't you. get it you um, can't get it all at once Kendall. by the way did we ever formally explain what functionalism is in the transformers universe because I, I don't think we ever did okay when we get into that little uh speech of uh of impactors i think i think we should probably give a quick rundown of what actually it is yeah because they've kind of really uh put like pushed it into like a lot of the site, like not only in the IDW continuity, it was like a thing that it was just kind of like always in the background, mm-hmm. but a lot of stuff that they had like, um, as like asides or like, this is the mirror world, or this is another alternate universe also depended heavily on it. And it just, in case someone listening to this does not actually know what that whole well, thing can, is about. I mean, we can just kind of explain it now. It's, it's okay. pretty straightforward. It's basically what your alt form the alt form that you're born as determines what your job is going to be. So if you're a mining mm-hmm. car, you're going to be a miner. If you're a, if you're a, a an ambulance, you're going to be 
a uh, you're going to be a doctor. If you're a jet plane, you're going to be a jet plane dude. Yeah. Uh, like like it's it's. And so there are some and so there are some alt forms, some alt modes that lead to a life of luxury. And there are others that lead to a life of of manual labor. Mm-hmm. Did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there was also some like parts of it where like you can't basically change what your original form was. So like upgrades and stuff was like, like basically it, it led to a corrupt ruling council that kept everyone down. Yeah. Especially in some universes where there's that actual functionalist universe, it actually became rather very fascist. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think even in Beast in the Beast Wars Uprising, it was it was also quasi functionalist, and it had some really, uh, really like terrible implications. But mm. I think it also, as an aside to this, and this is like one of the more interesting things, is a way that certain crimes were uh, were were uh, were carried out was basically to remove hands and faces with like more generic looking things like claws or or just a circular optic sent sensor to kind of like denote them as as a high crime thing this is supposedly what happened to shockwave at one point before the whole uh actual autobot decepticon war huh but he kind of kind of turned it around to wear it as a badge of honor another class uh like classic transformer that is uh always pointed out that this has happened to is whirl that that helicopter guy oh yeah yeah um so i mean it's it's kind of like this weird like classism mixed with like with uh with a lot of like other like isms that you don't you probably didn't realize was in transformers to begin with and could see like in other ways but they actually kind of make much more explicit it's it's just it's just one of those things where like depending on the story you can find something that really matches up to what to uh to a good um what is it a metaphor or or uh analogy to to certain things at certain times you know yeah. <laughs> that, really it really it's it's interesting to see how things have come considering the sort of beginnings of transformers as you know good guys versus bad guys we got to sell mm-hmm. some toys and now it's we're talking about you know political ideals and fascism and classism and it's all pretty relevant to what's going on in the world right now yeah (laughs) but it's also but i will also say like it's real it feels very relevant right now but part of that is because these themes are universal yes and and they they always they always feel super relevant i've been Mm -hmm. I've been listening to uh, a very, very political album, uh, Lives in the Balance by Jackson Brown. Uh, And it's an album from the 80s. But if you if you but I listened to it when I was in high school and it really felt like it was about the the Bush era. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it doesn't quite feel like it's about the Trump era. I think that it's it's because I think we have a little bit different problems than we had then but there's still a lot of universal stuff and it was you know and it and this is not like something that is that's an album that uh it's a very it's also very like rooted in 
in its time period. But these, I mean, these good versus evil narratives, it's stuff that happens. It's stuff that happens over and over again through history. Um, you know, the story of the story of, of, of two factions fighting against each other. And eventually one, one side takes it too far. And, uh, and, and some of, and some of their followers learn the error of their ways or, or one side you agree with, you agree with them, but maybe you don't agree with their methods or whatever. I mean, this is Marvel comics, civil war, you know, yeah. it, it's, it, it was, you know, again, just like a random thing from 15 years ago, uh, that, that is, this is, is a very, you know, very similar premise. This is, this is the X-Men versus Magneto. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's something that is there. They're, they're the, yeah, they're themes that are universal. There are, th- it's, it's all throughout history. It's probably, I don't know my Shakespeare, but there's probably a Shakespeare <laughs> that, that is like, that's like this, you know, that's probably why Dinobot got so into him. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I saw Macbeth. Wasn't there like a few between the Montagues and Catholics and Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, yeah, there is a. Few... I mean, it wasn't part of the 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 main crux of the story, other than the fact that that's why their families were right. very opposed would be very opposed if they ever like actually tried dating or getting married. Yeah, there are. The, I would say I would say the themes of Romeo and Juliet are are more about kind of it's more about the senselessness of of the of those types of fights. Mm. Um, and this is this is more like there's not a good or evil side between the Montagues and the Capulets. As far as I as far as I know, I don't know Romeo and Juliet super well, but that's how that's West Side Story, except for the white yeah. people are kind of more bad. If, <laughs> yeah, that's... if anybody's the villains in the in the in the in West Side Story, it's it's the it's the Jets. But but they're but they're a like they're the point of view villains if or whatever that I'd... I didn't realize that a football team was in West Side Story. <laughs> yes, yeah, the Jets and the Sharks. When Wait, you're so a got... jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. Well, that explains it. We've got a football team versus a hockey team. No wonder they're fighting. <laughs> I'm sure that just went over Kendall's head. <laughs> I mean, I I know what football and hockey are. I take your I take your for granted that the. That, that you were correct. Ah. <laughs> Sometimes you just go with these references. Yeah. Um, so there's... I'm just trying to really make him laugh, like I did last week. <laughs> trying so hard. See, see, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. When you try so hard, you only get so far, and in the end, it doesn't matter. By the way, Kendall, when you were was that you asking? No, no, that was Luke asking if the the piano opening was that. And I can just remember in the end having that do 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 thing. That, and I was trying to think of what he was. He he tried to you know phonetically type it out, and I was trying to think if that was the same thing. I'm like, no, I don't think it's the same. <laughs> and we were and basically it was like, what song was it from? It, there's there was so many, you know. <laughs> Uh, no, the, rock ballad things that ca- that open with a piano, right? No, the piano, the piano bit is is from the end. Is from in the end. Yeah, yeah. but but I think it was not exactly the same uh, same one though. That's that's what I mean. Like it was a different uh, melody or chord progression or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, there are still a couple of things here under the <laughs> TF wiki. Um, actually, quite a few interesting things about Mirage here. Uh, they mentioned that him generating illusionary clones mm-hmm. is actually something, another thing referencing his bio that's very rarely seen. And that uh, Mirage and uh, uh, appearing as a Decepticon is a callback to the G1 episode Traitor and a Robots in Disguise episode called Mirage's Betrayal. Ooh. Yep. Uh, and then, like I said, it mentions that Megatron uses the familiar Autobot rallying cry of Till All Are One, though the context here is far more sinister than usual. Yes. I love that. Uh, I just, yeah. oh, man. Oh, I actually kind of like the animation error that they mentioned. Uh, we see Skywarp take a blast, you know, a blaster hit, mm-hmm. and gets a hole and gets a hole. Yeah. But then when we turn to see who who shot and the gun smoking, it's a two barrel gun and both barrels are smoking. Yeah. Hmm. Um, then I was expecting a bigger hole. Yeah. I mean, like a two-barrel gun could, could make one hole, but it, yeah, you're right. It would it would look, will look much bigger than what it seemed to be. Well, there was yeah. clearly a lot of internal bleeding. Mm, good point. Mm. Different uh, type of blast, maybe. Maybe. Mm. Uh, there's there's only like three little trivia things mentioned, and it mentions that the impactor and mirage here having a tussle actually kind of ties into a, t- a toy line like rivalry three pack that was made that had them in it. And that Mirage's Decepticon disguise was released as a Walmart exclusive. So you could get him colored like that if you wanted to. Oh, that's cool. And then the final one, which I actually kind of think is neat, but is kind of just also a very small thing, is that when he when Mirage actually uses those clones to fight, all of the clones are seen as holding his gun in their right hand while Mirage himself actually holds it in his left hand. In other words, his clones are like mere images of him. Though I don't think the cannon gets flipped like that, so it's still kind of a weird but neat little thing that happened. Yeah, I was gonna say the cannon's on the same side the whole time. Yeah, he has like a shoulder cannon. Yeah, I didn't notice uh, that. Yeah, it's still like a neat little thing that they probably actually like thought, eh, we'll do that just to explain so you know for sure which ones are the clones. Yeah, but still, it was a neat little thing. Yeah, and that's all we have from the wiki. All right. So getting into uh, into this episode here now, we we open up on the this is sort of like the the scene from the battle from the last episode, only it's daytime now uh, or at least lighter. Um, but they like I'm so used to Cybertron always being dark, but now we actually have sort of daytime scenes so it's it's a little weird to to see but we've got like little decepticon drones floating around and we hear megatron uh giving a speech stating that the autobots have callously murdered one of their finest soldiers oh i remember what i was gonna bring up here something that i that i thought of that would have been interesting with this episode is if if impactors supposed death or at least yeah i think it would have been interesting if sort of megatron behind the scenes had planned for this like if he had planned that way he could turn it into oh well they they murdered him he was a good soldier now he's dead and could and they essentially would have 
you know, wrote him off like they would have assumed that he was dead by that point. And then he gets discovered by Ratchet and whatnot. But I think that would have been a really interesting political take in a sense. Well, I think I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that uh, that this is not the first time that there was a that there was a death of a Decepticon and he does it because, I mean, this isn't even the first time in the series where he's kind of twisted the twisted what happened to make it sound like the the Decepticons are not evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I think it would have just been that much more interesting if it was, you know, he sort of faked concern for mind you he's in this series at least he's sort of had a bit of concern for his troops yeah so like he he still he's not he's not completely what's the word he's not completely out for an actual uh uh overwhelming leader powerful overlord kind of thing he still has some belief that he is the best one to lead the mm. lead the the Cybertrons into the new era. Yeah. Well, it's like it, what what I what I see this as is this is like this is what comes after Better Call Megatron. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is like you know one of those one of those AMC. We need an AMC show about mm. about Megatron's fall. Yeah. Uh, because that's what AMC shows are, is there's always a, you know, charismatic figure who is in it for the right reasons and then just kind of becomes progressively uh, more and more evil until he gets to, you know, until he gets to whatever point and then he's and then he's becomes the villain. You know, you live long enough to become the villain or whatever. And but but there's that there still are moments where he has whereas little bits and pieces of morality left. So this yes. is like, you know, this is a, a, a late, you know, uh, 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 you know, it's like, uh, oh man, I can't think of a good joke. <laughs> um, well, I'm just going to pipe in and say copyright 2020. So screw you, AMC. You're not stealing the idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cover our butts. A Nolan Autobot. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of no, that's a yeah, nothing works. I was trying to think of something deceptic, something that started to be D like doing Decepticon. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I this isn't working for me, but you get what I'm saying. He's yeah, he, he used to be a good guy and there's still some bits and pieces that are left of him being a good guy, although he is becoming progressively more and more evil. But he's mostly evil already. Like if we saw a prequel to this, he we could have could very easily. I mean, you know, like Lex Luthor in Smallville, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, you know, Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Darth like Darth Vader, like uh, lots of people. All right. Yeah. I think as well, Kendall, you had a you had an audio audio clip. Yes. Here we go. It is my unfortunate duty to report to you that the Autobots, led by Optimus Prime, have callously murdered one of our finest soldiers. Autobots, for the good of Cybertron, immediately find the nearest surrender station. (laughs) 
immediately find the nearest surrender station. So, so this is, this is really interesting. I'm really glad that we're doing the, that I'm, that I decided to do audio clips for these episodes. I was like kind of on the fence about it, but you listen to that soundscape. I love, so, so Greg, you said you would have liked to see a little bit more of, 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 of the hypocrisy of, of Megatron kind of showing like more like what he does in the background. But since they decided to make this six 22 minute episodes instead of 12, 45 minute episodes, what they've done instead was just do so much with the soundscape and like having multiple things happening at once because Megatron is doing this speech and you could very easily have just had it be a close up on him the whole time. But instead, instead, yeah, you're seeing all the drones and then you're seeing Ratchet, who is who just he must just go after every time there's a battle. He goes out and looks for survivors by himself. It also looks yeah. like he was uh, scavenging for supplies. Yeah. Yeah, he may of, have been. Yeah, he may have been scavenging for supplies because did he hang on to the hand that he found? He did. Yeah. And yeah, he I tosses think... it into a cart that he's got. And I'm pretty sure one of the quick i mean it's quick the scenes of the wagon or whatever thing thing he's pulling behind him has uh assets that look like the uh med kit that was tossed around in one of the earlier episodes yes yeah okay yeah there's quite a few of them there but still but still regardless like he's you know he's out there he's out there by himself and and i mean and he obviously he he finds uh the purple guy (laughs) Um, actor that's okay there's yeah, you keep you keep referring to him as the purple guy. <laughs> what? I think you're you like the, the purple guy, and I was like, "There's a couple of purple guys. Which one?" And I'm like, "Impactor." And you're like, "Yeah, that one." I don't know. His name just always just like escapes me. It's obviously not impactful. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I know Emily would have groaned at that joke. <laughs> But yes, Ratchet finds uh, Impactor buried under some rubble. <laughs> he immediately pulls out his gun. Um, but Impactor is like, if you're here to kill me, and then, he, then we get the dramatic gasp, and he's like, you're too late. <laughs> so, and then Ratchet's just like, mm, lowers the gun. Because <laughs> he's not Which, here to kill him. He's here to, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's here to, he, I mean, he's, he's at... at at worst, he's looking for supplies, but I do, I think he's I think he's specifically looking for survivors. Oh, that very well could be. Probably what it is is any time that there's a battle, he goes out in the hopes that there's going to be a supplies and maybe parts to help people that he already had that he's uh-huh. already helping, or b survivors. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, the, definitely very very noble of him either way um we then cut to the autobots we've got optimus and alita we're walking down a hall and then we're joined by uh barricade no wait sorry that's prowl they have the exact same model (laughs) oh oh let me let me jump in at one more thing so we're gonna see later in the episode that that ratchet is a conscientious objector right he's yes and i wonder if part of the reason that he had he takes that stance so aggressively has to do with the fact that he 
always sees the casualties of battle. He yeah. only sees the 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 darkest, most depressing parts. Uh, that maybe I mean you know the the Autobots the Autobots abandon you know who knows if the Autobots were able to you know they they lost that battle so they were running from it. Uh, mm-hmm. So so they lost people, but those people are just gone. They don't have to deal with their bodies, you know, and then the Decepticons don't have that, don't really have empathy. So they were mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess it's just his hand that's left. Yeah. You, you know, and, and so so they didn't look very hard, but he's look he's seeing the carnage and destruction that this war has brought on. Mm hmm. And actually, there's something else that's brought up when we see him later on in this episode that I'm going to bring up as well, because it seems I had vibes from Iron Man to do with it. But uh, I'll I'll touch on that more when, when mm-hmm. we get to that part of, of the episode. Mm-hmm. But we have uh, Elita, who is is uh, talking to Optimus at this point, and they're they're talking about the the all spark and optimus is like well what if there's there's going to be nowhere to run on the planet if megatron finds the all spark so he's like what if we take it off the planet to which everybody's like well according to the ancient ancient texts uh if you remove the all spark from the planet then the planet will die so and uh, and Optimus is like, yeah, nope, not gonna happen. Yeah, I believe all of the ancient prophecies yeah, and stuff, but not that one. Mm-hmm. Like all yeah, the like, other we- stuff, and that's the one that he decides he actually <laughs> decides to ignore. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we're not gonna let that happen. It's like, do you mean we have a choice? I guess I guess the idea I see you're is removing the AllSpark from Cybertron. Do you wish to blow up the planet? Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, the thing is when they say that it sounds like cuz the AllSpark is this I mean nobody even Transformers fans, even the people writing the the stuff, especially the people writing the stuff probably don't really know what the AllSpark does. But mm-hmm. but like I think I think what what Optimus is saying here is is that is that it is that the prophecy is that bad, th- bad. It will you'll cause bad juju if you remove the AllSpark from the planet, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. but but the but the, they will keep fighting and they will protect it and they will they just aren't they won't they will never give up and never stop protecting the protecting Cybertron. But what it sounds like is like the we're we're removing you know it's it's like I'm gonna remove your I'm gonna remove your both of your kidneys. But I'll die. I won't let that happen. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, which uh, is rather funny because he sort of shrugs it off and Alita and Prowler just sort of like, uh. (laughs) But I do think I do think Alita has uh, kind of she's kind of embraced uh, uh, Optimus's. She's not questioning Optimus's decisions anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. She's like, this is this is it. Is this the scene where she says, where the guy says he's gone crazy, and she's like, no worse, he's desperate. No, yeah, no, I don't think oh. it's in this scene. I think it's later on, isn't it? No, I thought it was like right before they do the cutaway, and because um, I think this is also the same scene where uh, 
Oh wait, no, no, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, because I thought I thought it was they also talked to Wheeljack in this in the scene, but no, you're right. That comes later. Yeah, yeah, it's it's when yeah, it's right at the start when they're starting to talk to Wheeljack. I think. But yeah, when yeah, she okay. says eventually yeah. when she says that, it's like it's very much she realizes that they are in. They have no. It's like what I was. It's like what I was saying last week about the game theory. It's like you don't have the choice between living on anymore you don't have the choice between living under decepticon rule and and fighting your choice is you either you either fight and do and take whatever last shots that you possibly have or mm-hmm. you or you lose and you and and your your existence you have no you no longer exist yeah mm-hmm. yep that's exactly it we Cut to the Decepticons now, and specifically Starscream, who is pretty much bad mouthing Megatron at this point. So this is very similar to the old Starscream that we're all familiar with. So in descent. Yeah. And not for well, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't agree with Megatron's. It's plan. not yeah, it's not for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. it's not for the right reasons. He, <laughs> yeah. He's like, we shouldn't have the Autobots destroy us. That will delude us. Oh, yeah. Ouch. Starscream. His problem isn't that he's racist. It's that he's not racist enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wow. 2020. (laughs) Anyway. But yeah, he's like, can you imagine if they're one of us? They would not be true Decepticons. It's a mistake. And evidence of Megatron's weakness of heart. And then, you know, all the other Seekers are, are murmuring. We got Barricade there, too. And Jetfire comes in and he's willing. He sort of pipes in. He's like, well, I'm pretty sure that it's not Megatron's plans that will lead to your doom. And he's like, it's probably your false sense of superiority will take care of that. Um, so Starscream and Jetfire bicker back and forth a little bit. And uh, then Megatron shows up. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much heard the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and I love how uh, you know there's a moment where it's like, shouldn't you be? And and like I I think even Jetfire is a little uh, kind of caught off guard that they, he got caught that they were bickering. He's like he's like we were just uh, getting ready to be on patrol or something like that. And like Starscream, yeah. yes, oh yes, of course, Seekers to the sky, and they all just take off. Yeah. I really like that uh, that he gets called out for being too loyal in this mm-hmm. in this scene. Yeah, because that really speaks to kind of uh, the the um, the conflict that he's been showing so far. Like he's he's obviously he's at, I mean he's really he's Megatron's the closest thing Megatron has to a right hand man. I feel like I feel like uh, or a protege or something like. Megatron like works with Megatron works with the uh, 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 the guy that the other guy the other purple guy that I forget his name Shockwave Shockwave that's that's funny I forgot both of the purple guys names uh, <laughs> I mean Megatron works with Shockwave but Shockwave is pretty clearly an underling in this in this version like he's yeah. not he's if anything he's kind of the he's kind of the this the the other you know it's it's the angel and the devil on on Megatron's shoulder. He's the devil uh, oh, yeah, that maybe Megatron is moving more towards. But he is still very clearly, very clearly to me, Megatron has more respect for Jetfire at this point. And Jetfire yeah. is is just 
he's he's just so he's so loyal. So he's they, like he's like just, Goldar. Like Goldar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh And Shockwave is Finster. <laughs> well he's like uh No, because Finster was pretty dang loyal to uh Rita and not as conniving. Yeah, true. He's like uh oh man, I don't even know. I don't even know how he <laughs> I don't even know how he how who lines up with who what. Uh, maybe he's like, well, because Goldar's loyal to Zed, right? Uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, Goldar's more loyal to Zed. So okay, so he's like Goldar. Uh, Shockwave is like Rita. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep, that works. Yeah. Yep. And with Megatron as Zed. If Megatron is Zed, which Megatron is definitely Zed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Glad we got that. Glad we got that uh, that listener question out of the way. <laughs> it's weird I, how it just popped up all of a sudden. You know, no, that's in, that's actually interesting though. There isn't a a a group a, a, like a Power Rangers villain in of the at least of those of those first few seasons that is all about usurping the person the person in charge like a like a shockwave type yeah type character. They actually all kind of work together. I mean, except for maybe Rita trying to trying to hypnotize Zed, but even that is is that like about working by itself to the wayside, and they just worked together, yeah. even if they sniped at each other once in a while. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 interesting because you know because Power Rangers is all about being friends, even if you're evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to this show, where Megatron definitely does not think Starscream is his friend. Yeah, in fact, yeah. Um, I think it's I funny. This quote. Yes. It's funny because uh, Megatron says that he's just a weapon. <laughs> yeah. And Jeffire's like, if you ask me, he's more like a tool. He's more like, like a tool. <laughs> I'm like, we've heard ass in the first episode. That there, I want to say that there was something last episode, and then we get he's more like a tool in this episode. And I'm like, man. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> They said and, scrap in the second episode instead of saying yes, crap. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, but Megatron sort of finishes off the conversation by saying, and tools are easily replaced. <laughs> so he's obviously not worried about uh, Starscream at all. We then cut back to the Autobots. And this is the part where I think because Alita is very concerned about how far Optimus is trying to go with everything to do with the all spark and she's especially concerned because of the the amount of energon it's going to take and how easily they'll be shot down yeah if they try and take it off the planet in the arc uh to which we finally get back to the point that wheeljack was trying to make in the first episode mm-hmm. with uh hey uh when we were scavenging we found a space bridge that i think we could get working again which is yeah so, so this, two episodes. Yeah, so this so this scene is I mean it's one of many that speaks to the quality of this show. Mm-hmm. In st- I love how well the Autobots work together. Yes. Um because in in any in any like random children's cartoon or whatever, they would they would you know, Wheeljack would have like four or five times tried to tell them and then they they shut up wheeljack you know that you know and then 
And then finally he'd be like, well, there's a, there's a space. Uh, I have it. They're like, Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, there's a space. Place. Why didn't you tell us earlier? <laughs> like they don't yeah. say anything like that. Like he, he does say, I've been trying to tell you, but he also doesn't say I've been trying to tell you. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's very, yeah. he's much more subtle about it. He's, he's like, he's like, this is a, this is a thing that I found. I, I, you know, which also no, gives that, that, a good idea of, of the time too, because this does feel like this must be over a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. You know, not not like this has been weeks. This hasn't been months. This has just only been a f- couple of days. And with everything that's going on, of course, after the first you know initial things, things have been going kind of crazy. Him to remember to bring it up during any of the like during the raid and that giant queue of Energon or anything like that mm-hmm. is probably unrealistic. This is probably like a, one of those few times when like just it coming up in conversation that he actually remembered it. That's right, true. right, right. And especially since especially since like the idea of a space bridge is like it's important, but like he didn't have a specific use for it until now. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just like that people listen to each other in the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because he's like, hey, we've got this space bridge that I think that can be fixed and i know a guy yeah <laughs> and this is the part where we get um because optimus is sort of busy talking to wheeljack about this and he's got the wheels turning in his head and this is where prowl's like this is madness and and uh elita's like no worse it's desperation mm-hmm. but uh we cut back to the decepticons and we've got at a different them. table yeah it's not the long table it's it's like king arthur's table now only it's That's like a hexagon. Yeah. But uh, we've got uh, Megatron sitting down. We've got Jetfire on one side and Shockwave on the other. And Shockwave, I guess, hasn't been having much success trying to extract information from Magnus. And more about his character where he's like, you impose too many safeguards on my methods. Yes. Right. It's Geneva Convention. Torture. He's like, you don't yeah. need to follow the robot Geneva Convention. Yeah. And Megatron doesn't take too kindly to that because he immediately points his gun into Shockwave's face and starts charging it up. Yeah, it almost—it's so it, almost like takes like Jetfire to calm him down, right? Yeah, yeah, because Jetfire is sort of like beside himself and manages to get him to calm down. And as soon as he does, Megatron's like, "Well, you're now free to use whatever means necessary to find the location of the Autobots." <laughs> So it's it's almost like he's resigned a bit to the to the idea of it. Yeah. Well, that's why Which, that's why he's so mad, because Shockwave, because he actually agrees with Shock. He realizes that Shockwave, at least in this very specific situation, based on his his ever evolving worldview is mm-hmm. is right. I mean, yeah. he's obviously not right because like freaking stuff happens and actually even stuff happens. So this shows better. <laughs> I forgot what happened next for a second. And then I was like, Oh, but then the thing, and then I was wrong. It was, they were, they were smarter than that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, so Megatron has, has cut the strings, so to speak. So shockwave is going to be able to do the stuff that he wants to, to do as painful as it might be. We then cut back to the, well, we cut to a lone Decepticon approaching a, a band. He's like, hail Decepticons. And then, then we look and, oh, uh, it's 
Mirage in his funky purple color. <laughs> yep. And they're like, oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm tracking a lead on an Autobot nest. And they're like, oh, good. We'll join your hunting party. We could always add more uh, bodies to our spikes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is gruesome because you've got Mirage there who looks and he's like, oh, my God. And yeah, the, it's good that this is robots and like lubricant fluid because this show would not be Y7 if it, if it was a regular body, that's for sure. Yeah. They ate them. They're going to eat me. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> that's what but you yeah. sounded like there, Greg. <laughs> I appreciate it. This is Troll 2, the podcast. Well, thank goodness. See, I couldn't get the It's a Trap right last week, so I had to try and do something closer. Equally, equally uh, important cultural touchstones. Exactly. <laughs> So we've got Mirage in the midst of this group of Decepticons as they're sort of laughing and his disguise starts shorting out. And they immediately yeah. notice uh, Chromia is is watching on from like a sniper rifle with Optimus and the others in tow. His disguise utterly fails. Mm -hmm. And this is where the fight starts. So we're about 10 minutes in. We've already got like the major fight for this episode starting now. Mm hmm. And it's pretty brutal at points, but we do get some pretty cool stuff, too, that was alluded to earlier with the trivia, because we get Mirage, who, who manages to clone himself, and it's not just... Hologram. Like, yeah, it's not just uh, holograms. Intangible holograms. Yeah, like, they, they actually shoot, and they can hit people, and it's pretty cool the way that he utilizes it. Mm -hmm. um, like he, he's about to take a shot, and, he, and one of his clones actually takes it for him yes um elita manages to, to snipe a, a seeker out of the air optimus it, well optimus impales a decepticon he sort uh, of tosses him up in the air and the decepticon lands on the pole i think that one's spinister by the way yeah if you if you need a, an actual like name to the character oh, okay yeah i wasn't sure because they don't there aren't as many names this episode no I mean, he's he's been like one of the the random like fighting bands, even in the first one with Impactor and stuff like that yeah. since the beginning. But I don't think they've other than the fact that you can tell by his toy form who he mm. is. They, I don't think they've actually even said his name. Yeah. Same with the the I mentioned him last time, Skytread or or whatever, the, the guy that turns into the uh, tank and plane. Oh, yes. Separate. Like he's he. He's there, too, but I don't think you see him much in the battle itself. No. Um, we get a really cool... I might use this as the, the scene for, for this week's episode where one of the Decepticons tries to sort of do, like, a drop kick into Mirage's clone, and the clone yeah. just sort of dissipates. It is really cool looking. I love how they set it up, too. Like, remember how I said one clone takes a shot for him? Yes. He took a shot for a clone. Yeah just completely confusing them even more. It's like, oh, well, if that took the shot for him, that must be the real one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he passes through as it sort of dissolves. He screams and goes rolling. And then, you know, we get a foot stomp in front of him while we see more of the Mirage clones. And the foot stomp was Wheeljack, like, 
kicking the guy right in the face, I think. I think, yeah. And sent him flying. Um, and then Mirage shoots his missile and, and manages to, to finish them off. But it was a pretty good fight overall. Um, but we do see Mirage looking back at the, the impaled Autobots and Chromia, you know, is there with them. And, you know, we get a, a small moment there. We then cut to the Autobots arriving at a theater, uh, no less. And Alita is sort of, you know, talking about how, you know, it's hard to believe that this was once, you know, a place for, for the arts and, you know, music. And part of me wonders what Cybertronian music would have sounded like. Mm. Kind of like the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think there's it would they would have a lot of different things. I mean, just because they're electronic doesn't mean that they can't synthesize a lot of different sounds that sound like what we would take to be acoustic. Oh yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, because this makes you wonder what a different mind could do as far as creating something like that. But you know, thoughts for another time, I suppose, because. As they enter into the the theater, probably they are uh, like Stan Bush too. Oh yes, I bet you working in a coal mine was also popular. <laughs> oh my! Uh, but yes, we we get to see Ratchet once again as he approaches the Autobots. Uh, he makes mention that uh, that was a Cybertron of, Tron of long ago, and that it, it's all because of them. Uh, Ratchet's kind of pissed off with Wheeljack because apparently Wheeljack wasn't supposed to bring anybody there. But uh, Optimus says that it's his fault because he asked him to. Wheeljack says that they need their help with something really big, and he's like, "I don't do that anymore." So if so if uh if if the Great War, I mean that's basically what we're watching now, right? Yes. The great. Yeah. If the Great War happened, and then a generation later. Rat Trap was listening to Yellow Submarine. <laughs> Maybe we're thinking more like they're listening. They're into like Dixieland or, or or like 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 early rock and roll, like Elvis, yeah. uh, like pre Elvis. Like uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know who was who was like. Yeah, more like uh, yeah, more like uh, yeah, probably not even not even to rock and roll yet. Like. But like like Dixieland, like some maybe some blues, some swing, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like like uh, like Glenn. What's his face? Glenn Miller. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tommy Dorsey. Uh, Billy Holiday. I don't know when Billy Holiday was famous. <laughs> yeah, those 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 types of people, you know. The, huh. Yeah, like big band, you know, big band era, which would make sense because like, you yeah. know, lots uh, of brass and functionalism. And, uh, yeah. Brass and whistles. Oh, do you think there were transformers that specifically transformed into instruments? Um, no, uh, but I do think that they're all that you could only be in a band if you were like a car, because then you have a horn, or if you were a truck, <laughs> you'd have like a whistle or a train. You know, it, it basically you would have to have your alt mode would have to have an instrument on it. Uh, I mean, maybe look, maybe there's some people whose robot modes. Uh, had you know had a bass guitar or or something like that, but and then of course and then of course there's like fucking sound wave is just like a drum machine. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Uh, 
Um, we do get a reference to, to Ratchet's past because Alita says, you're an engineer, your inventions, your manufacturing, your weapons are stuff of legend. Um, and Chromia as well sort of pipes up speaking about how, you know, she even heard about him on Kaminus. He's, he's like, well, yeah, well, I don't do that anymore. This is the, the part that, to me, uh, reminds me of Tony Stark in, in the Iron Man movies. Um, because I'm willing to bet probably something happened where, yeah, he used to, he was making weapons and designing stuff that maybe help was helping out the war. And I'd be willing to bet that something happened where he lost, either he lost someone or he witnessed the destruction of his inventions firsthand. And rather than, you know, like becoming Iron Man and, you know, resigning to, you know, get rid of all the stuff that he built in that sort of a sense, he just cut ties and said, you know, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm I'm just going to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he even alludes to it, even though he never says it, that he saw his inventions were only pro- like were basically intensifying the war and not helping it like he right. wanted it to. Yeah, right. So well, he just kind of gave up doing that part of the engineering. My 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 sort of interpretation of how this war, you know, what this what happened was that Optimus and Megatron were 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 together so the autobots and the the what we know is the what we think of as the autobots and the and the decepticons like those two military groups were one were one mm-hmm. and then they overthrew the the powers that be probably because you know probably because they supported the the anti-functionalism movement or or whatever uh, yeah. You know, they, they realized that the that the Decepticons had a had a bad rap and, you know, they were sort of on that side. And so Ratchet, you know, the greatest inventor ever and gave them all weapons. And now and and then Megatron went too far and and they split into those into the what we know is the Autobots and the Decepticons and the Decepticons still have the Ratchet weapons as do the as do the the Autobots. So, yeah, it's it's it just his uh what he sees is that he yeah he escalated all he did was escalate the conflict and that's yeah. why and that's why he's you know in this like you know monk like uh i'm just gonna all i'm gonna do is be a doctor mm-hmm. no which is so fucking good. compelling <laughs> <laughs> so we do get a a glimpse into what he's been doing because as they enter into the building further we see a lot of Autobots that, you know, they're missing limbs, but they're, you know, they're somewhat functional. Ratchet's trying to fix up one that looks sort of like Sideswipe. Um, Optimus makes mention that it's admirable, but Ratchet doesn't really want to hear his praise. Um, Elita is like, you know, it's ironic weapons of war that you're helping them now. He's like, well, I'm way past irony. <laughs> and, you know, we, we do have a bit of a an argument between Ratchet and Optimus where Optimus is trying to say it's, you know, it, the, the fate of the planet is at stake and Ratchet really doesn't want to hear it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so he tells him to leave. There's a part where Mirage like points his missile at, at Ratchet, which I'm thinking is a little bit of overkill at this point, but then we get impactor rushing in and tackling Mirage and everybody's like, isn't he supposed to be dead? 
And well, they, Ratchet's like, yeah, they say a little bit about him being dead, but mostly their concern is you help Decepticons. Yep. <laughs> and Ratchet's like, well, I help anybody who's in need. <laughs> Even like then, call, calls him elite or Impactor calls him elite scum. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, and then, and then Impactor goes that, and then sort of after what we've just said, um, uh, yeah, he calls, he calls, uh, Mir- it's Mirage is the one that he's always fighting with, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so he calls Mirage, uh, uh, elitist scum, talks to him about sipping Energon in his gilded walls. And, uh, and, and Mirage says, you don't know, any- you don't know anything about me, but, but then Impactor wins the argument with this speech. I was predetermined to slave away in the mines, pulling Energon from the core until death or deactivation, so you could just race through life. Uh, Enough! You don't command me, Prime. You weren't down there in the muck like Megatron and me. Prime is right. Enough. I didn't patch you up just so you could blow a valve here. You and your team are upsetting my patience. I suggest you leave. I apologize. Autobots, we are leaving. Ratchet, can you just listen to what he has to say before we leave? again the soundscape there like if if this was a if this was just a dry children's cartoon uh purple guy would make his speech and then ratchet would say enough i i you know i you're just fighting uh you guys gotta leave or what like it would be one thing and then another thing and then another thing but but instead it's kind of it's like everything's happening at once he's Mm -hmm. they're they're still trying to the Autobots are still trying to convince him again. I love, I love Optimus apologizing, showing humility. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. like, this is that, this is that aspirational heroic, you know, the guy that you're the guy that you want to root for. Like he's, I mean, yes, he's still defeated. He's still on his last leg, but he's, but he realizes that he has just waltzed into this, into this hospital, uh, you know, demanding that the doctor, demanding that the doctor drop everything that he's doing without even explaining himself. Like, and just, just so much happens in that one minute. That's why these can be 22 minute episodes because they're so jam packed and so efficient with everything that with every single, with the way that they introduce every single plot point. It's, it's a, it's a frick. It's a goddamn work of art. (laughs) Actually, this next scene as well, I thought was pretty well done. Uh, because we cut to Magnus, who is in a lot of pain, because obviously Shockwave, he's got no strings to hold him back now, so he is torturing the hell out of Magnus. Megatron is there, and is you know he's still talking to Magnus, saying, "You know, help me end this war." Magnus comes back saying, "You started this war," and Prime's trying. Prime's the one who's going to finish it. And then he starts getting zapped again. Shockwave 
starts uh, saying, well, I'm going to have to use some more unorthodox methods because these aren't really working right now. So it's like, oh, great. You're, you're going to torture him even worse. <laughs> Those filters will adjust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I almost get a sense of, of disgust, in a sense, from Megatron with dealing with Shockwave. And that's why he leaves. Um, and he gets Jetfire to, to follow along with him. Uh, Magnus is sort of let down. He He's sort of chained up and then they release him. And like his body's smoking and he's got a, a, a seeker that's pointing a gun at him. He manages to grab it, knock him out, shoot another guy. And then Shockwave sort of has his hands up and is like, oh, don't hurt me. And so Magnus runs after Megatron and he's got a gun at this point. Jetfire is there and has his sword, but he's not moving because he's fearing that, you know, he'll trigger Magnus shooting. And Magus tells Megatron to turn around. Yeah. And Megatron cause... refuses. <laughs> I actually I was going to pull the audio from this scene, but like yeah. if I did that, then it's I would just have the entire rest of the episode. Yeah. And we would just sit yeah. quietly and listen to because yeah. every bit of the rest of the episode is amazing. I, I was yeah. going to I think I think I was pulling the audio from this scene. And then I like went back and I was like, oh, wait, the scene before is important and did that one instead. <laughs> but, oh, man, I yeah, I just love and it's it's such a cartoon thing too, to be mm. like, no, I have honor. Like, oh, man. Yeah. And like, I love that's how Megatron basically like taunts him. It's like, go ahead, shoot me in the back. I'm not turning around. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he could he could he could end the war right then. Right yeah. there, but because he's got this weird sense of honor. Um, also, also like if we back up just a little bit, mm-hmm. this there's there there are so many moments in this where it's like you started it. No, you started it. Like they've been at war for so long that they mm-hmm. don't even they that they one side or the other believes their own lies. You, yeah. you know, it's I mean it's it's probably it's probably the Decepticons that are the bad guys, but we're thrown into this and, and this does a, a much, much better job even than, even than beast wars. Like I felt like beast wars did a pretty good job of having it be these guys fighting these guys for no reason. Uh, you know, in a, in a sort of like a, in a, in a war, you know, mindset of like of us versus it, it, it showed the sort of futility of the us versus them mindset, at least some of the time from a certain yeah. point of view. And I feel like this, this has done such a good job of that because it's like, it's like the the Decepticons are so are yeah like they're just like your you start it's your war no it's your war you you did it no you you killed him no you killed him like it's it's like what really happened I mm-hmm. really hope that in one of these in one of these trilogy epi- at least for an episode that we get a flashback so that we can hear what either what really what actually happened or like a Rashomon or whatever that thing is where it's like the different people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like I just, I want to know what happened. I don't, I want to know how we got here so bad. <laughs> Cause it's so compelling. It's so fucking compelling. <laughs> um, Jetfire is able to slice through the gun with his little wrist sword that he's got there and punch um, him in the face. Yep. And Megatron sort of stands over him. He's like, you should have taken the shot. You could have ended the war. And then we've got Magnus chained up again. And Megatron sort of 
he's like, let this be a lesson to us both. Always take the shot. And Jeff fires like understood. Holy so, fuck. I just realized that's foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> this is the third time we've gone through it at least. And, and I, that I just now realized that was foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, so we return to the Autobots and they're discussing with Ratchet, uh, the plan to try and fix the space space bridge. Obviously, they haven't gone over the details or just mentioned, oh, we've got the space bridge that needs to be fixed. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then Prime mentions the AllSpark and Megatron's plan to weaponize it. And that's where they, they get Ratchet. He's like, but the AllSpark is supposed to create life. And he's like, with if Megatron gets his hands on it, and then Ratchet sort of finishes the thought of, you know, there's no telling what he might do with it. Which, you know proves to him just how dire it is and he's sort of resigned to yeah all right i'll i'll fix the space bridge and i do like one of ratchet's ratchet's complaint is like what do you you know like why he doesn't want to fix the space bridge is like what are you going to do spread this war to other planets yes oh man yeah. that's that which is such a good point <laughs> which if it's going to be anything like G1, technically, yeah, they, they yeah. it's exactly it what happens. Planet. Yeah, no, it's totally it's exactly what happens. It's, I mean, yeah. the next the next season is called Earth Rising or whatever. So yeah, apparent, so probably Earth is going to have something to do with the, the thing. And I mean, I don't think that uh, the war for Cybertron is the middle part is going to be where they're at peace. No. <laughs> They're not going to be. Probably it's not going to be about a Pax Pax Cybertronus or whatever. <laughs> That's a thing, right? In in some something Transformers, yeah, the, so they yes. have like a. Pax yeah, they mentioned in Beast Wars. Yeah, that's the tentative peace treaty that supposedly Maximals and Predacons are supposed to be under. Yes. Back on Cybertron. Yeah. So, uh, Ratchet says that he. He's not going to do it for Prime. He's going to do it for his patients that he's looking after. And we cut to Impactor, who's helping an Autobot, like an injured Autobot right now. But then we've got Mirage sort of keeping an eye on him. Um, Ratchet's like, what, you've never seen a Decepticon help an Autobot? And Mirage's like, actually, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess one of the rules that Ratchet has is everyone that he helps has to help everyone else. Yeah, he needs the hands. Yeah. So. Well, he, hand oh, in this case. Yeah. Impactor. <laughs> um, Ratchet initially tells Impactor that, you know, he's going to be going to fix the space bridge and he needs him to stay there and help the others. Um, Impactor's like, no, I'm going to go with you. And then we get, you know, Ratchet's like, well, Megatron's crossing a line here. And the only way that we can stop him is from me helping Prime. And so Impactor's like, well, you help me, so I'm going to help you. So I'm going to come along to make sure you get back here in one piece. And of course, everybody at first is like, no way, he's Decepticon, we can't trust him. Um, This is where we get another really good monologue from Impactor. Um, Mm. Because he he talks about how he had sworn an oath to protect the people of Cybertron, not because of he didn't swear it to Megatron or the Autobots. He swore it to himself. So, you know, it's not that the Decepticons can't have a sense of nobility either. It's just, They're you know. They're in a very long-standing battle at this point. Yeah. 
and it really Megatron's mission has probably been twisted a lot over the course of the years. Mm-hmm. You know, I his 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 ideals have well, I mean, his ideals have probably stayed the same, but more so the means of reaching those ideals, I guess. Um, and really, with desperation, that you know, you can't say it's really entirely surprising. Uh, Prime is, you know, he checks with Ratchet to see if it's okay with him. He's like, yeah, it's fine with me as long as Mirage and Impactor can get along. And so <laughs> Prime sort of like goes to Elite. He's like, keep your optics, optics on him. <laughs> um, but uh, then they head out. We cut back to the Decepticons and Magnus is, you know, he's getting zapped really bad, like to the point where body parts are starting starting to explode on him. Yeah, like flecks of parts are coming off too. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's not, it's not, like even Megatron can't look at it. Like yeah. he's, he's <clears throat> looking away from it. Um, but then Magnus, you know, he, he tries to appeal to Megatron while still being tortured, getting him to look at him. He's like, don't become like those we rose against. And Megatron, you know, looks away shockwave you know continues working away that's where we get some of the body parts blowing off of magnus um then this is where sort of magnus relents and says all right he's like i'll tell you and he's like i'll tell you where they are and megatron the the look that we get from megatron like isn't the the look that we would expect like the the sort of glee, I, I don't want to say glee but you know the being pleased with the fact that you know oh the ends justified the means he looks unhappy about the lengths that they just had to go to in order to get that out of him so mm-hmm. you know got that shred of morality in him still yeah yeah but uh, we cut back to the Autobots now who are approaching the space bridge and before they go any further, Elita says that Impactor has to remove his, like, he has to deactivate his comm. Um, so apparently something I didn't realize with Transformer biology, I guess you could say, is they all have, like, a, like, a, some sort of a, a transceiver or something like that. Like, an ability to be able to communicate mm-hmm. uh, installed within them. And Ratchet's really upset that they're taking out his comm. You know, obviously, this is something that, you know, it's something you don't normally do, and it's really... It's like removing an eyeball. You know who... I mean, you know the way who didn't, they, they put it off. You know who didn't have to remove his comm, who was a prisoner of war? Ultra Magnus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he may have... And he may even... They may even have, have disabled it or removed it or done something terrible to him off off screen. But I mean, at very least when they locked him up in jail, they, they did not. So, so that tells me that the Autobots methods, they, their, their hands are not perfectly clean here. No. And, and I love, and this is one of my favorite, this is another one of my favorite moments of the entire season is, is that if, if they had just trusted him, Mm -hmm then we 
they wouldn't have been comp the the location their location wouldn't have been compromised. Yeah. But because they make him remove his 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 calm and he's you know he's like I'm whatever I don't you know he gives zero fucks anymore. So he so he takes it out because of that. Then uh, Jetfire and the nameless guy. Uh, uh, I think it was Skywarp, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. But who yeah. cares? <laughs> his job is to die. Um, mm-hmm. Jetfire and the random other plane. Uh, he they they you know they they see the transceiver or whatever the you know because the because the link because it actually goes offline. Yes. Also, more evidence that they don't really care what about whether or not the purple robot is alive or dead, because you would think <laughs> that they would be able to it like when they were on the place, somebody would have realized like, hey, his commerce his com transceiver is still active. Yep. But they don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get uh, Skywarp. He does like a scan which detects the Autobots. And he and immediately, yeah, and he immediately thinks that it's Autobot Command, which it's not, but neither here nor there. There's Autobots there. He starts going in about how, oh, we need to report back. That way, you know, Megatron's going to reward us and we can just annihilate them. And this is where Jetfire is like, annihilation of an entire race shouldn't be the price of peace. And so Skywarp is... Oh, that's no, he's so that's not him. Autobot. That's not Autobot Command. No, no. Yes, yeah, so I, I think they go to the space bridge directly. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. The sense I got was that it was that they were stopping off at the at the base first. Actually, but. you know what? I'm not sure. Actually, because I mean, for him to take the comm out definitely would imply that it is de- at Autobot Command for sure. If if it isn't the the space bridge, so right. I think either one's possible. I'm not actually sure. I don't remember I what think... happens afterwards that would suggest one way or the other. Yeah, but uh, I I feel like based on the stuff that happens, it seems like it seems like that should be Autobot Command. But well, I was under the impression it was the space bridge because I thought that was the like the bridge that they're on was the one that sort of had the explosions go off but at this... it. But the yeah. space bridge doesn't have cloaking technology on it. No, but they got Mirage the, with them, and they had and it had a false wall. Remember, yeah. Bumblebee had to do something to open up the wall. Okay. Yeah. So, like I said, like it could be either or. Will and like you, Kendall, I have not watched ahead, so we'll just have to wait till next episode yeah. for us. Maybe to, it'll become for, more clear for next confirmation, yeah. or maybe it won't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, needless to say, there, there's a bit of an argument that goes on between Skywarp and Jetfire, and. So Skywarp is like, oh, he's like, you know, I'm I'm going to it's like, if you're not going to do anything, he's like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to report it. And so he turns his back on Jetfire and bang, he shoots him in the back. Um, yeah. All of them, Autobot Command, will slaughter every single one of them. Commander. We should report to Megatron immediately. Uh, yes, we should make certain. Megatron will reward us greatly. We'll annihilate them. Annihilation of an entire race shouldn't be the price of peace. Commander, we should 
Give them the option to surrender. No, we kill all of them while they cower in their hole. I'll report to Megatron myself. I can't let you murder. Starscream was right about you. No! Traitor! Flying off. That's it. No coming back. Nope. So we then cut to Megatron, who is addressing all of the Decepticons in the arena again and is talking about how Optimus plans to seek and destroy the AllSpark itself and the very heart of their beloved planet. It, it's. And of course, he doesn't make mention of what his plan is for it at all. <laughs> Um, but he enlists all the Decepticons to f- go out and search for it. So we then cut to, to Starscream as he's giving this speech, who are just like recklessly gunning down Autobots in the street. And Skywarp crashes down, transforms, and Starscream goes to him. He's like, Jetfire betrayed. And then he dies. And Starscream is sort of beside himself. And then we get Megatron saying what they're going to do with the AllSpark and how they're going to rewrite them and put an end to the war. We then cut to to Impactor and Mirage, then to Magnus, and then finally to Optimus, and then back to Megatron, who uses the famous line, till all are one. And... So that's very interesting because he's co-opting like the, the phrase till all are one is, is almost religious in a sense to, to transformers, but it's, it's as if he in a way has realized, Oh, if I reformat them, we'll all be Decepticons. So technically we'll all be on the same side. We'll all be one. (laughs) So it's like, there you go. He's like, I'm going to, He's like, I'm going to co-op this prophecy and I'm going to make it my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty diabolical. The Republic shall reorganize <laughs> into the first galactic empire. Exactly. <laughs> see what I'm see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a universal theme. <laughs> but yeah, that's the end of the episode. We cut. We cut with uh, a zoom in on Megatron's fist, and then we get credits. So pretty darn good episode, I think. Yeah, even Greg liked it. Greg hates yeah. the series. <laughs> I don't hate the series. 
<laughs> Watching it again, I actually it's growing on me a bit more. the The first couple episodes are sort of, you know, I I brought up my reasons for for not being totally keen, but this is a good episode. Mm-hmm. It it also, and I mean, this is this is a thing that stinks about the way we consume media. I think that it benefits from a second viewing and really taking time to analyze it yeah. uh, because there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more going on. If you, the, I mean the, you know, the ultra Magnus arc, I, you know, I'm not a fan of ultra Magnus and, and it's, the first time through, I was like, Oh, he was just dumb. And, uh, and he, uh, he surrendered to Megatron and then he changed his mind that he didn't want to surrender and was, did some dumb stuff. And this time, like, it's like his arc is really compelling because he, you know, he he was initially just 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 put in a cell and maybe we'll talk, you know, maybe we'll get some information like like that. It wasn't what he wanted when he surrendered. But when you surrender, you don't always get what you want. But it was Mm -hmm. like a, a relatively humane situation. And then he unsurrendered. It's interesting that he talks about honor when he he said he wasn't going to do anything to usurp Megatron anymore. He in good faith surrendered to Megatron. And then the first thing he does is, is basically acts as a spy. Well, he probably wasn't anticipating the depths to which Megatron was willing to go oh, yeah. as far as like to win the, the yeah, war. Yeah, And that's, either. I mean, that speaks to him. That speaks to him. Miss. I mean, that's why he, 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 he surrendered to Megatron in good faith thinking that, thinking that that they were going to sit down at a table and work things out uh mm. you know that they just needed to hug maybe they just needed a hug until they were friends again he was a bit idealistic like yeah he's yeah he's very yeah he was very naive and idealistic and then and then he saw that the world wasn't what he thought it was and but still still it's a dick move to surrender and then unsurrender if you're if you're not <laughs> even willing to if you're not even willing to shoot a guy in the back to end a war, yeah, like I I don't know it's and and that and that betrayal because that's Megatron right or wrong Megatron saw that as a betrayal and because uh, maybe Megatron did think well maybe eventually we can sit down and talk talk about this or maybe maybe I can con- convince you to see things my way you'll give me your information and then maybe you'll be my uh, military general. Or something, yeah. you know, you know, like there was still like a this like shred of of hope in their relationship, and I mean that's that's from last week's episode, but but then this and you know, but then in this week's episode we see that that like that same naive naivete. I, it's like, and this is the character that I like the least of the whole show, mm-hmm. and and it's and it's he's got this crazy, you know, this crazy arc. Mm-hmm. Truly, he is more than meets the eye. Yeah, I mean, I mean his his uh. <laughs> I noticed that like the picture on Netflix for for uh, War for Tri- Cybertron is him in a cloak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was funny. the episode. Uh, we put out a call for questions earlier today. Uh, did we have any questions this week, Jordan? Um, unfortunately, they only got one, but still, you know, one's better than none. Exactly. Uh, so Rio Rose again at uh, Rio Rose Ape uh, sent us another question. Uh-huh. Thanks. Hey, um, how do you feel about so many of the Autobots willing to threaten and harm those not willing to help them? I mean, to be fair, the original 
the original ones all like always had those few outliers of ones that did seem to be willing to cross that line. Like even in the old cartoon, it I mean it wasn't it didn't come up very often, but I could have sworn that every once in a while it did sometimes try to make things, you know, more nuanced with like the idea that there was uh Decepticons that were good and Autobots who were a little bit too uh zealous, mm-hmm. you know? But I mean for me, it's just like just kind of shows how terrible a long drawn out war is, is on right, people. Yeah. You know, that they're that their their nerves are shot, they're down, they're de- doing desperate things. They have they feel like they have to do this. And sometimes they feel that the best they, that they have to do it, you know, as soon as possible, which means usually resorting to violence to get it done mm-hmm. as soon as mm-hmm. possible. The ends justify the means. Right. Yeah. They I mean, the thing is, when you talk about them willing to, you know, they're they're willing to threaten Ratchet. They're willing to threaten mm-hmm. Bumblebee. Um, you know, they see they see these people who are not fighting on the front lines as, you know, you guys are only alive because we've been fighting. Me- we've been fighting Megatron this this whole time. You know, do mm-hmm. it, he He's maybe the only reason that you can be unaligned is that Megatron's forces are are focused on the Autobots. Once once yeah. he got done with the Autobots, he's going to go after anybody who's not who's not with him. And yep. um and they also just kind of I think and and then with with uh with Ratchet, they don't see the value in what he's in what he's doing necessarily. Um, and, and, and they have, especially if he's not willing to help him with this thing that they believe is the, is, is all or nothing. There's, there's this desperation. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not necessarily right. I think that the show makes it pretty clear that, that they're not, that they're not right, but also, and then also like, to me, to me, transformers are, are not the, the premise of transformers really. And maybe it's because Beast Wars was my first experience with them. Um, it really is about about fighting in war after war after war, about about having one faction being fascist and one faction being a, actually fighting for freedom. Like it's mm-hmm. it's and maybe it's and, and I mean it's you know a lot of this is colonialist mythology that that uh, that that the you know the United States or whatever. Uh, has always been right in every single war that they've been involved in. But I mean, that's the, you know, that's the allegory is that is, is an idea of, of, of a faction that is, that is, uh, you know, that is, that is, that is more fascist, more controlling. Um, and then another faction that is fighting for more for individual freedom. Um, it's not, uh, a good versus evil narrative that you would have in like a comic book. Like I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want the Avengers. I wouldn't want to see captain America getting mad at somebody who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to fight. Um, I, I I think, although even that, even there, like, like maybe there are, there are characters who are more closely affiliated with like shield or, 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 or military organizations where that would, where that would be would fit perfectly within their character, yeah. and like and we do have Optimus Ross, here. Probably, I'm sorry, like say that again. Thunderbolt Ross from the Hulk right. would definitely be one. Right, Thunderbolt Ross, even Nick Fury. Yep. Um, 
you know, you don't, not everybody's, but, but, but again, Thunderbolt Ross isn't really a superhero. <laughs> he's, he's, well, not until he, you know, does even what he as, does. <laughs> even as, well, but even as, even as, uh, even as Red Hot Hulk, I would call him more of an anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. That's but he's true. not, he's not an aspirational figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, where, whereas, you know, you have Captain America and you do have, I, I really like Optimus in this in this show, like his his, uh, you know, he's got he's he's smart, he's desperate, but he's also got this element of humility that mm-hmm. that I just yeah, it's just great. No, it's good. Well, that was our one question for the week. Uh, the past two episodes, I've forgotten to bring it up, so I'll make sure I do it this time because it was I was it was I was reminded of it earlier before we started recording. <laughs> So, Kendall, do you have anything you would like to plug this week? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I basically what I said before we started recording was I don't like when podcasts on every single episode spend 15 minutes talking about their plugs, but I did feel like we've gone through, we've done three episodes. Uh, it would be worth it to mention some of the stuff that I've been, uh, working on that maybe, uh, maybe people who are, just fans of war and beast. Maybe you would want to uh, check out. Uh, I've been doing, I've been continuing. Uh, that's what we called music with a question mark. Um, we're, I think we have like 63 episodes now we're into, oh, wow. we're into volume four of, of now, which I should, I should update it a little bit more often, but it's still been pretty steady. Uh, and which now four is, is kind of to me where, the like we're at peak 2000s nostalgia <laughs> uh, and it's uh good stuff i think we just did like try again by Aaliyah. Um, oh wow yeah so very very specific stuff oh and we did uh we did waiting for tonight by jennifer lopez so good yeah I'll do that with my with my wife and my sister-in-law and sometimes i do it with my friend joe inch um speaking of joe inch he's a poet that i interviewed for my uh my it's really a songwriting show but uh but we, we made an exception for him called uh storytellers unplugged uh and then also uh i have the kendall cast movie roundtable uh i forget if i've posted the edge of 17 episode yet i don't think i have but we'll see but all that stuff is available at kendallcast.ninja um or on the kendall cast feed on itunes um if somehow you listen to this and you play the Star Wars customizable card game and you don't already know that I do uh, Bad Deck Breakdowns, which is a podcast about the Star Wars customizable card game, uh, then it's very weird that you heard this podcast first <laughs> um, because I'm, you know, that community is kind of knows about that. That community is pretty small. So, uh, yeah, you can listen to that on the Kendallcast feed or the Bad Deck Breakdowns feed on uh, the stuff or the kendallcast.ninja. I think that's, I think that's most of the stuff I've been working on, but kendallcast.ninja twitch.tv slash kendallcast network at K Holman on Twitter. Uh, kendallholman.bandcamp.com. That's enough. <laughs> Jordan, how about you? Um, other than basically, I still help out uh, Jesse Cooper with alphabet flight and um, his other project. Bless you. His other podcasts. He also does creepy car, critters which is uh, a look at uh 
just random cryptids and other supernatural things there. And he's also recently started doing over in's mouth where he, uh, and usually a guest, but sometimes he also puts out like an audiobook reading of a HP Lovecraft short story. Mm-hmm. And usually, and the ones with the guests, like they kind of just commented and talk about it and make fun of it uh, or point things out. I know, but was it the last one that he did was just, was just him with the co-host about, about how, he, wrote, he how Lovecraft wrote a story for his friend who was like, I think I'm going to try some whiskey before prohibition comes back or like comes up. And uh, Lovecraft being a teetotaler was like, wrote a whole about story about this man who was a terrible bum and desperate because of one night of, of debauchery and stuff like that, which was basically him, like his friend. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, yeah. See what happens now. And like, still want to drink. And it's like, uh, <laughs> anyways uh yeah um alphabet flight should be coming back soon actually by the time this awesome. comes out it should be there uh he got through the entire original like 1980s uh original uh official handbook of the marvel universe and he'll be starting on the 89 update which was like a supplement that was put out after the fact and which has a lot of things in it. and he says like and as he said like every our uh Entry from the 89F gets him closer and closer to our favorite, uh, well, least hated Nazi, maybe, of Swarm? The Nazi <laughs> made of bees? Oh, God. <laughs> Which, I think, apparently, he was in a recent uh, Marvel comic uh, run, like, with, uh, with one of the Ant-Mans, where, like, because he could talk to insects and stuff like that, he had to team up with with uh with swarm and swarm's like this is great you're like my new best friend and the whole time ant man's like no no get away from me you're a nazi i don't want this go <laughs> yeah oh my i don't know what it is with bees lately it seems yeah. like i'm seeing it in media all over the place now it's one of those things where it's just it's fun to shout bees <laughs> <laughs> Like I mean, it's one you you sh- just how you shout it is can mean so many different things, but everyone automatically knows what you mean. True enough. Uh, did you want to plug in any Twitter or anything like that, Jordan? Or oh, sure. You can also find me on Twitter at Dory Mingu. That's D O R I uh, underscore M I N G U. I usually uh repost stuff about uh people's podcasts and friends podcasts going along going out and such like that or uh friends uh twitch channels or stuff so you know it, it's a good way to keep an eye on what what uh, a lot of creative folks are doing yeah you can find me on twitter i changed my twitter handle thanks to you by the way kendall <laughs> um so i i am now uh it's still the same account, like still the same picture and everything. Uh, but my Twitter handle now is at the real Gonmun, G O N M U N. Uh, that was a handle that I had on a forum. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch every once in a while. I might stream something. I streamed like marbles on stream last Saturday and I didn't have anybody watch. Oh, sorry. I was busy. No worries. I was more testing stuff out to make sure it was going to work anyway. So, but uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash gonmun, G-O-N-M-U-N there. Um, yeah, on Twitter, I'm 
retweeting stuff for the show or for audio entropy uh every once in a while i'll talk about you know wrestling or stuff that i'm watching i like i like watching a lot of like the the team force four star stuff uh but yeah if you want to follow me there you can certainly do that we appreciate any retweets any follows for us our personal accounts or the warren beast one at warren beast uh but yeah that is it for this week so without any further ado i have been greg i've been jordan oh i'm kendall (laughs) (laughs) till all are one folks all hail gregatron all hail gregatron all hail gregatron wait a minute why am i megatron because greg and meg rhyme Uh, i guess